0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9-12, through 12. beginning in verse 9. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Test this. Is that working? Cool. All right. So I'll be talking about loneliness. So this won't get awkward. Uh, <laughs> so when I. To think of something uh, to come up with the talk, usually I like to pick things that I'm in dealing with um, because you know it's more meaningful to me, and I'm sure other people, if it's affecting me, I know it's affecting others. Uh, So, loneliness always fun to start off with some statistics, Um, and these were just some I grabbed, and I did look around some others. In 2022, 49% of adults. 25 million people in the UK reported feeling lonely occasionally, sometimes, often, or always. Approximately 7.1% of people in Britain experience chronic loneliness, meaning they feel lonely often or always. And this has risen from 6% in 2020, indicating that there has not been a return to pre-pandemic levels. Um, I looked at the USA, USA's, and most other places are about, it's actually about 50% is where most people have Feel lonely or have always felt lonely. So it's not like a very rare occurrence among people. Types of loneliness. There are different types of loneliness. The following three are the most commonly identified in evidence in literature on loneliness emotional loneliness, the absence of meaningful relationships. In other words, we'll get to that, but basically, you know, it's why we do marriage and stuff, finding someone, that emotional connection with someone? Uh, social loneliness. Just being in a group of people, and existential loneliness—a um, feeling of fundamental separateness from others and the entire world. Just you, just feel like you're the only person in the world. Uh, other types of loneliness, um, or like how they, how when they happen, is transient loneliness. It's like, you know, feeling—I'm sure we all experience it, like it just kind of comes and goes. Um, situational loneliness. Uh, only occurring at certain times like Sundays, bank holidays, or Christmas. And I do find it interesting that they include Sundays in that. Um, for me, uh, especially, like I, I'm, everyone knows I'm a single guy. Yeah, it can be very lonely when you come, and I'm not the only one here I know, but it can be very lonely when you come to church and you look around and you see all these married people and you're just sitting at the pew alone. It really hits you. When that's when you start to really kind of start feeling alone. Even though, and a point I want to make across, like even though you have people around you, doesn't mean you still can't be lonely. Uh, situational loneliness, only occurrence. Uh, sorry, chronic loneliness. You're just feeling lonely all the time. As Christians, maybe not today, but do you think there were Christians in the past where they were feeling lonely all the time, especially when they're being persecuted. I'm sure. So how does God recognize loneliness? Well, first chapter, or second chapter in the Bible, mentions loneliness. Then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for on that day that you eat it you shall surely die. And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave the name to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. So even God recognized right away that loneliness is a serious thing. It's something that needs to be taken care of. And he went out of his way to, to try to rectify that. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. So even in the very beginning of the Bible, God recognized it's not good for us to be alone. We need someone. And then uh, another example, this is a little bit of a longer read, and this is with Elisha. Um, this is when Israel wasn't doing so great with God. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and say, it is enough now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. And then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. So again, Elijah's running for his life. He's alone in the wilderness. You know, and he's like, imagine if you're alone, you're on, your, on the run, and you just feel like the whole world's against you. And God went out of his way to send an angel to try to comfort him. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he rose and ate and drank and he went in in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Here we have Elijah. He literally thought he was the only person alive who was following a God. He felt completely separate from the world. I'm pretty sure he was having that existential loneliness. It was him versus the world. Then he's, and then God, God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, I am alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And again, he's saying, I'm alone. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of abel You shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed them. So again, Elisha, he's saying, I'm alone. And here God is trying to comfort him saying, look, you're not alone. There's 7,000 more people out there who are still trying to follow me. You're not the only person. So how can that be applicable to us as Christians today? When, you know, right now we're lucky, we can all meet here safely. We're not fear of being persecuted yet. I feel like it's getting there <laughs> and stuff. And so it's something we need to think about like when that time may come. Uh, and finally, uh, another, and this was kind of part of the scripture reading. Uh, I included this first, word, first one right here just because it kind of dealt with loneliness, but also I thought it was interesting. Um, Again, I saw that for all the toil and every skillful work, a man is envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. The fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Better a handful with quietness than both hands fold together with toil and grasping for the wind. Then I returned and I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors. Nor is his eye ever satisfied with riches, but he never asks, For whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This is also vanity and grave m- misfortune. Um, my brother, you know, he's married and stuff, and he mentions like the only thing he really cares about now is working and trying to provide for his family. Like that's, that's his goal. Um, to me, it's kind of like, Yeah, I'm having a good job and everything, I'm working hard, but it starts to feel pretty empty when you have like no one to share it with or to provide for. Um, I have a friend from one of my old jobs. He is very well off. Like he owns a lake, like and like multiple houses and stuff. Like he is so rich. <laughs> like it blows my mind. And I keep asking him, why do you still work? <laughs> like why do you keep working? Like you're like he even says he, he says he doesn't have to care about work because he's old and rich and stuff, but he still keeps working and he, he really doesn't have a family or anything. It's just something he, he does and works at because it's all he ever knows. And it, you kinda, I kind of look at that, and I'm like, yeah, glad he's rich, but I'm also like, you know, like, why do you keep working? You, you have enough money, you, you know? You, so what's, what's the purpose? But that kind of got off topic. I just thought that was interesting. Um, the big one, though, from Ecclesiastes is this is a scripture reading. So two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Um, a few months ago, uh, something happened to me. It's very, very upsetting. But luckily, um, first thing I did when it happened is, luckily, it's nice to have a twin brother, um, is I called my brother and he drove straight over and he comforted me. And it really helped me through a lot. It really did. But just imagining not having someone like that to be there for you when you're going through a really rough time can be really rough. And so this this verse especially really hits me deep. Um, And continuing, And if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand them, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I don't know... How many of you read all of Ecclesiastes? It's one of my favorite books. I've read it quite a few times. What's interesting about it is, like through the whole book, he just keeps saying, "Vanity, vanity, everything's vanity." You go work; it's vanity because you're going to lose it all when you die. You go try to enjoy life's pleasures; it's all vanity because we're going to die. <laughs> like he just says over and over, we're all going to die. Everything's pointless. And in the last scripture, he says, you know, the only true value is like that we follow the word of God because you know that's all we have to look forward to. But I do find it interesting, one of the few things he does value, and shows value of, is having a companion, or someone, or company. And he he shows the value of that. So, uh, again, people in the world, we saw like 52% of people, they feel lonely. Most people in the world, how they deal with loneliness is either uh, they go work out or get a pet or something, you know, there's, or they go talk to a therapist. Um, but, you know, as Christians, um, how can we as Christians in this world be lonely? Um, again, I just point to Elisha. We just feel separate from the world. Uh, you know, even Jesus warns us and tells us and expects us to be separate from this world. Um, I don't know about you all, but at my workplace, <laughs> Like, everyone goes drinking. Like, hey, we're all going to go drinking. And you go, and you're not the only one drinking. You know, you can find a, feel a little separate, you know, and you're not kind of a part of the group and stuff. Uh, I like to joke I'm the designated driver, at least. Um, but, you know, those kind of things, you, you do feel, if you're, you know, if you're really following God, you do feel that separation from your other coworkers and stuff. Um, the other one I like to point out, um, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, you know, if you all remember, uh, God's telling Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham's trying to, you know, try to back Sodom and Gomorrah. He's like, you know, don't destroy it because there may be good people in the world. Like, th- what if, don't, don't do it if there's 100 people. And God's like, there's not even 100 people. We'll do it if there's 50. There's not 50 good people. We'll do it if there's 10. And God says, I will spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there were 10 good people. But there weren't. The only person that he actually ended up saving uh, was Lot, and not even his wife, but his daughters. Um, So imagine Lot, and if you read it, you know, Lot being the only good person, and if you read what happens when the angels come to visit him, it's kind of, like, scary because I like to view it as, like, being alone in a prison with a bunch of violent, like, inmates because that was what's happening. You have these angels visiting Lot, and the whole crowd outside is wanting to have their way with them. Um, Carnality was the word that was used, and they're trying to break down the door and everything, so it's literally like Lot versus this entire city of unrighteous people. I'm pretty sure Lot kind of felt alone, Um, and again, we may get to that point um, because history repeats itself. Luckily, right now, in this day and age, not so much have to worry about that, but I kind of see it getting there. Um, And then finally, um, another way as a Christian we could be alone is the rest of the family. Say you are married and you have, or like you're the daughter of a family and you're the only Christian. Um, I can point to my mom. She even mentioned this Sunday when we were having uh, lunch. She, you know, the preacher asked her like uh, about the rest of her family and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm a first I'm a first generation Christian, I'm the only Christian in my family. And even we haven't seen her family that much. But that can make you feel very alone when you're the only Christian of your family. Like you don't even have that connection with your blood relatives and stuff. And so that can be something that can make us feel lonely as a Christian. Um, but how about just being, how can we feel lonely in the church? Luckily, we're very blessed to have such a large congregation, but can people still feel lonely coming to church with other Christians? I'll raise my hand, and I'll say yes. Do we have people who sit alone at Pews? Yes. Um, but how? How can this happen? One is, like, for me, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm single. I'm not married. I come. I feel very lonely. I look around and see all these happy married families and stuff. I'm not having anything against you or anything. It's just it, it can hit you a little hard, when you're going there and you're sitting by yourself. Um, The other thing is sickness. Say you're just sick a lot and you can never make it to church. Um, The other thing is age. Uh, As we get older, you know, people around us, you know, when we do functions and stuff, usually like young people or other people will go and like the older people who are just too old to be able to go where and do anything, you know, or they have to stay at home all the time they can feel they can start to feel lonely and even God commands us to go and visit the the elderly and the sick um and final and the other one next is single versus married like mostly for the single people uh you know there have been times in the past where i hear like there was this get together and i ask them like well how come i wasn't invited and they go oh well this was just like with people with kids and stuff <laughs> like so you got a person who's single and already alone, but you're not going to invite them to these things because they're single and alone. <laughs> like, it kind of hurts <laughs> a little bit, and that's happened to me before. Um, and the other thing is long distance. Um, you got some people who have trouble getting to, like, some, we have things that we do together, and it can be hard for some, someone to make it because they live like an hour away, you know, and so they can't easily come and do something sociable with us. Uh, So those are some thoughts, you know, Um, and the other age thing is, the other reason I put age up there is age difference is like, you know, you know, a group of young people may get together and go and do something, and this person who's just too old, you know, you know, is like, oh, this is just for young people, or oh, we don't want to invite the young people in there. You know, why do we do that? Like, shouldn't we all want to try to get all Christians, when there's a social event, try to get them all involved and invite them, because really those are the people we want to be around the most? Uh, so just a thought on that um, so how, how can as we as Christians help others is try to inc- you know it's so easy to forget these people who sit alone and are quiet in the front row or in the back and stuff um, you know or it's like oh well they're you know they're too old or something you know we don't really want to invite them this is a young person thing you know try to be try to be more inclusive maybe uh, you know maybe you should try you know I'm not saying about doing fellowships halls or anything, but trying to do more social events and stuff would be nice. Uh, one of the things I've been trying to do uh, with some of the people, especially the single people, is like, "Hey guys, let's go do something. It's Halloween. Let's let's all get together and go to like a corn maze or something. You know, let's find something." You know, and I've been trying to push them to get like on a social app like Discord, so we can try to figure out and go do something together. You know, because uh, I don't see us doing as much, but when I was younger, uh, we used to have like every once a month, like all the young people uh, would go to someone house, someone's house and we'd just chill and watch TV, but then do a quick singing. Or we'd go and have a party, or we'd all go to like Spangles, and we'd all eat together and stuff. Um, and finally, and again, I kind of put social media up there. Again, it's a nice tool to have to be able to use this as a way for us to, you know, plan events, get together, do things. But I'm going to go and say this right now, all of this, doing all these things, I'm not saying it's pointless, but it's really, you'll see what I mean here, it doesn't really matter in the long run, and you'll, just hold on, you'll see what I mean here in a second. Um, I won't read all of this, but just again, God's showing how important it is that we should take loneliness. Um, this is him talking, uh, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. And here's the big ones. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. You got these people who are sick or in prison. They're prob- Why did he tell them to go visit them? Because they're probably alone. You know, they need that comfort. They need that strength. They need that support. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, "Lord, when did you see your hunger and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or in or naked and clothe you, or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you?" And the king will answer and say to them, "Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of at least one of these brethren, you did it to me." So again, um, and in the next verse, it just is re- it's stating the same thing, but just backwards, where the people who didn't do that. Um, So I won't repeat it all, but I'll repeat this uh, last part, 44. Then they will also answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of at least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So I find it very interesting the fact that God will judge us on if we don't go visit someone, the elderly or, you know, he's not just mentioning people who are in prison, he's talking about any Christian who are in need, like the elderly or the sick, or someone who's like really struggling or alone, you know, and us being able to go and visit and comfort them and support them. Uh, So I find it very interesting. So again, God does take loneliness and us being alone very seriously. Uh, and again, you know, I mentioned all those things about those social activities and all those things. Um, but again, those may not work. Um, we may, we will, we will still get lonely. Uh, I have examples, kind of, um, I like to look at Job. Again, you know, he had everything. And he still got lonely um, because he lost his, I, I like to view he got lonely because he lost everything. And his wife and his friends who came and who were supposed to comfort him, and they did for a little bit, but then they opened their mouths, and <laughs> it only caused him more anguish and stuff because they weren't being supportive. They were blaming him, saying it was all his fault, and that he had sinned. And so I'm pretty sure Job was feeling alone. Um, looking at Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, maybe some of you may know Quiz question, like why would Naomi be alone or feel alone? What did she, she lost, does anyone remember? She lost her husband and her, two, her only two sons. And so luckily she had her daughter in law but one of them left um, because she's like, you need to go find someone to marry because I can't get you another son to marry because I'm too old. But luckily she had Ruth to stay and take care of her. But imagine if Ruth wasn't there to take care of her, she would have had no one. Um, and I think, you know, we may have some people like that. Um, we may be persecuted, you know, again, Luckily we have a big church, we're all here, we all meet and support each other, but we may get persecuted. Um, It's already kind of happening in Canada if you ever read the news and stuff, and it's starting to happen here. Um, And again, um, everyone, uh, that's backwards, everyone we may know may die. There is a good, good chance, especially as we get older, you know, as we get older, Everyone we know and care about may pass away and die, and now we're left alone. Or something may happen. Um, and, and again, like I put there being—you know—you may never find someone. You may just be single and like, yeah, you can go. To, I'll tell you right now, you can go to church a bunch, but you still feel lonely. Um, so, uh, because you know, God stresses the importance of so finding wife, but you, so you, you again, you're missing that emotional loneliness is what you're missing. Um, so. How, how can we deal with it ourselves? We, sometimes we may not need to be able to rely on the world to come and comfort us. What is the thing that we can do? Um, when I was struggling and kind of upset, one of the things that my brother said that I actually thought was one of the better things he said is like, look, we're all going to be alone eventually. <laughs> I know that sounds depressing, but for me it's, up very, it's kind of uplifting. It's like, yeah, like even if I did get married... She's, there is, it's not gonna be like the movies where we're both gonna die at the exact same time holding each other's hands. <laughs> it's probably not how it's gonna happen. It's most likely one of us is gonna die and the other one's gonna go back to, to being alone for a while until they find someone else or that's just it. So again, how do we, as Christians, how can we figure out how do we deal with that loneliness? Um, one is always a good way is always prayer, but for me, um, this this was something I kind of came to. This is my own conclu- This is my conclusion. So take this with a grain of salt. Um, and this is what helped me deal a lot with my loneliness. And it's this worldly loneliness is nothing compared to being alone without Christ, especially after death. Um, not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does not who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will say and declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Again, we will be alone when we die, it's after death. We're not gonna, when we, we will have to go and face judgment to God. And that is a very, very scary thing, to be truly alone. Because, yeah, we may, we may not have, like, companionship here on earth, but as long as we still know we have Jesus, you know, that'll help, that'll, nothing else really matters. Like, that's how Paul, again, Paul was single, <laughs> and he was able to die happily because of him following Christ. And he knew that's what really mattered. Um, so how scary would that be? And that really puts it like, you like, oh, I'm alone, I'm single, I don't have a wife or anything. But then you really think about it. How dumb is that when you compare it to the loneliness we'll be if we don't follow Christ and die and we're facing God alone? And then Jesus says to us, I don't even care about you because you never practiced my word. That is like the scariest thing ever. And it makes this worldly loneliness like nothing. But then... What if we do follow God? Then one of the criminals, and this is when they're persecuting Jesus or hanging him on the cross, then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him and saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You could be, like me, you could be single your whole life, but imagine right before you're about to die and Jesus says those words to you, how good that would be. You must be like nothing else, like what I was worried about was nothing. This is amazing. And so finally, i like to also point out, again, where we're going to be standing before God god you know just imagine being before god alone and you're not right with him but luckily we have jesus as our mediator so in first timothy 2 5 through 6 for there is one god and one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time so we have jesus when we die we won't have to as long as we're following god and following jesus we don't have to be worried about being alone when we face Judgment Day. Jesus will be there as our mediator. I like to say, he, he'll have our back kind of thing. So how much more comforting will that be is like, you won't be standing there before God alone in judgment. You literally have Jesus as your mediator, pretty much your lawyer, there testifying for you. Um, but again, going back to like how scary would it be if we didn't, and uh, Job 9, has a very good illustration of this. Um, Talks about being in the presence of God and being without that mediator. Again, Job, this was before Jesus Christ. And so in the beginning of chapter nine, Job talks about what it's like, what it would be like if he was to try to go and talk to God. Then Job answered and said, truly I know it's so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, He could not answer him one time out of a thousand. God is wise in heart and mighty in strength who has hardened himself against him and who has hardened himself against him and prospered. He removes the mountains and they do not know when he overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble. He commands the sun and it does not rise. He seals off the stars. He alone spreads out the heaven and treads on the waves of the sea. He made the bear, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. He does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without him number. If he goes by me, I do not see him. If he moves past, I do not perceive him. If he takes away, who can hinder him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God will not withdraw his anger. The allies of the proud lie prostrate beneath him. When we die, we're going to be standing before this, and this is a good visualization. This is this is God, the person who can command the sun, the stars, and we will be before him alone. And jumping up ahead, he talks about, you know, he's talking about how can I even talk to this person? And then he says, for he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, and that we should go to court together, nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on both. Who do you think that's kind of foreshadowing? <laughs> right? Right? Let him take his rod away from me, and do not let dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. He's saying, when I stand before God, I'm going to be terrified. And the thought of standing before him without a mediator terrifies me. And it's, it fills me with dread. So, again, the loneliness of this world, it really, that's, that's the thing I kind of came to, is like, this loneliness of the world, it really does not matter. What really matters is who our relationship with Christ. Because again, our time on this earth is very, very short. I'm already 35. Like, I'm like, according to the Bible, I'm already halfway to dying because, you know, the Bible says, blessed are you who can make it to three score in 10 years. You know, I'm already halfway there. And I can't even remember the last 35. It goes by so fast. But we'll have that eternity. And so, luckily, we do have that one thing. If we do feel separate from Christ, Is that um, if you've fallen away, it's not too late. Matthew chapter 18, 21, verse 22. This is something that really helps me, especially when I've fallen away. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but to up to seven times 70. Now, God's not saying, oh, we only get forgiven 470 times. That's not his point that he's making. Um, actually, Jews uh, would say that if after three times, you actually don't really need to forgive them anymore because they're, it's just pointless. You know, they're just going to keep repeating it. So, the fact that Peter said to him, should we, "Should we forgive someone seven times?" to them, that's like that's overkilling it because really, after three times, you shouldn't be having to have to forgive them. And Peter's like, "Oh well, hey, I'm doing seven. and Peter probably thought that was a big deal. And Jesus is saying, "No." <laughs> That's nothing. You need to do 7 times 70. He's making a point that you need to always keep forgiving Him. So again, it goes back to helping us with loneliness is that we don't we are never have to worry about being alone as long as we become right with God and luckily it's not like that's not possible. God will always forgive us and try to will, will forgive us and we can have that hope of being with Him in Heaven. So That's my lesson today. Just some thoughts that I had and stuff. Um, If there are any of those you uh, there here today that feel like they're not right and would like to have prayers and have people pray for them, or if you want to come up and get baptized, uh, please come up as we stand and sing.